in the MCAT Cars podcast, session number 32. The car section of the MCAT gives thousands of pre-meds nightmares every night. Whether you're an ESL student, lack confidence while reading, or a slow reader like me, Jack Weston and the medical school headquarters are here to help you score higher in every section so you can be confident you are ready to get the MCAT score of your dreams. Welcome to the MCAT Cars podcast. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, and as always, I am joined by Jack Weston, the internet's premier MCAT Cars tutor. I guess he's not just the internet. He's the world's premier MCAT Cars tutor, and we are going to go through another quote-unquote passage, right? An article and break it down to help you understand how to better work your way through these passages on the MCAT. Let's go ahead and jump in. Say hi to Jack. Jack Weston back for some more MCAT Cars podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you, Ryan? I am doing well. I'm excited for another passage to learn, to teach, to educate, and to hopefully not cry after because they're really hard. <laughs> Last week was pretty tough. Yeah. It was very hard. Again, we, we talked about it when we recorded, but it's like, oh, the Beatles music, this is going to be fun. And then I was like, oh, what are they talking about? I don't know these words. And so um, just goes to show you that that cars passages can be hard, even if the topic may be fun for you. Yeah, they, they always go deeper than you may expect. And I think students catch on to that quickly. They'd never pick answers that are literal, right? Like, like if, 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 the, if the question is asking, what is, the, what is the definition of smart, right? And usually the answer that says you're highly intelligent is wrong. Right? <laughs> it's something else. It, there's a deeper meaning behind it. And the only people who pick the highly the answer that says highly intelligent um, are are the ones who don't read it or are guessing, right, or yeah. or whatever. So there's always that deeper meaning, and and usually students know to stay away from those literal answer choices. Uh, and that's not always true, though. Sometimes the literal answers choices are correct, right? You just have to read the passage to make sure. Yeah, it's not like a strategy that some people use in the science sections is I'm just going to go read the questions and answer the discrete ones or pseudo discrete ones that are in yeah. passages. And then I'll go back and read the passage. Uh, you can't really do that with a car section. Exactly. Yeah. Very tough to do. Oh, all right. So what do we have in store today? This is all about competing themes and it's an easier read. So it's not so bad. Um, very relatable. So, you know, it's not hard to find the bigger picture when the passage is usually easier to read mm -hmm. um, and it's easy to follow. But it is important to point out the bigger, the themes, the competing themes, because harder passages, whether they're easy or hard, always have competing themes. So looking for that theme, what is the argument? What is, you know, what's going on? Where, where is the author debating this? Or how is the author debating this is always very important. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, as always, follow along in the podcast description in the app that you're listening or on the webpage. We have a link to the full article there. Paragraph one, the grade school lunchroom has long acted as a microcosm of social life. Oh, I'm going to have PTSD from, from like being in elementary school and sitting by myself. Oh man. All right. Uh, so yeah, so just a microcosm, I, I think potentially might, um, might throw some people off of what that means. Uh, but yeah, micro, obviously small, so small part of social life, potentially. 
Yeah, well, I mean, microcosm is when like you see something in a small way, but it represents the bigger picture. Yeah, good. It's where kids choose whom to sit with, develop friendships, and resolve conflicts with fists. <laughs> no, with fists isn't in there. <laughs> um, so uh, it's just explaining, right, social life, who who you're going to be friends with, who you're going to sit with, and and if you have a beef with anybody, how you're going to resolve that. And lunch is one of the few less supervised periods in most kids' school days. So um, just kind of painting a picture of what uh, a lunchroom looks like. Over the past several years, however, some school cafeterias have become invaded by a new group, parents. (laughs) Parents ruin everything. Uh, So the author is, um, is painting a picture of what a lunchroom is. Uh, how it affects us, right? This microcosm of social life, of developing friendships and resolving conflicts and how there's not a lot of supervision until maybe now where parents are getting involved. Yeah, so it, it's creating this kind of dichotomy, right? Where you have these, you know, situations where people, kids are alone, growing, right? Resolving things on their own. And now you get parents involved, <laughs> right? Mom, okay. leave me alone. <laughs> which causes more conflict and uh, nobody's going to sit with you. All right. We'll, we'll see about that. Yeah, we'll see. It, we'll see. Okay. Uh-oh. Am I foreshadowing? I haven't even read this yet. <laughs> um, all right. Paragraph two. 20 years ago, when I was in elementary school, having a parent join you at the lunch table was unthinkable, right? It's the worst thing that could happen. Uh, kids want to be dropped off like three blocks away from school because you don't want to be seen with your parent. Um, parents or caretakers dropped everyone off in the morning for school, leaving us to grow, play, and learn until we were collected. Right? So just painting the picture, what parents are there for, you drop the kids off and the kids go and, and grow and learn and play. But lately, parents are playing a much more active role in their children's educational lives, uh, also known as helicopter parents. Um, so, so just, again, the, the author is, is painting a picture of what you talked about earlier, right? Themes. I've never really thought about themes before in terms of, of cars passages. Um, but really that's, this is exactly what's happening, right? 20 years ago, here was the theme. Now here's the theme. So 20 years ago, parents were not involved. Now they are potentially. Right. And now the, the debate the author's trying to put into perspective is whether that's a good thing. Correct. Right. Yeah, we don't know yet. It, it, everything's always in terms of good or bad. Okay. So if we if we do this, is this good or is this bad? That, mm. That's what that's what passages are all about. They're trying to convince us whether we should do this or do that, right? So is this good or is this bad? So when I when I see something like this and I notice that they're they're bringing in some problem or some other you know element, well, I have to ask yourself: Is that a good thing or a bad thing, mm-hmm. right? And the author it has their own opinion on it, and yeah. we just have to we just have to listen. Yep. Okay. According to a September report from Child Trends, a nonprofit research organization focused on children and their family, parental involvement in school is rising. So just just giving some some data here showing that parents are being more involved. Uh, still still no good or bad yet. In 2016, the percentages of students whose parents reported attending a general meeting at their child's school a parent-teacher conference, or a school or class event reached their highest recorded levels, the report states. 
so just giving us some definitions of what that involvement looks like. Good. So what's the big picture of this paragraph? What's going on? Uh, the big picture of this paragraph is that once, again, unthinkable, the word used here with parents being involved, especially at lunch, uh, is becoming, seems like more common where parents are more involved with their kids at school. Is this, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Or do we not know? We don't know. Yeah, good. And uh, a lot of students who read this are probably thinking, oh, no, I don't like this. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but it's, we don't know. So don't bring in your bias, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you never know. The author may go into the next couple of paragraphs and say, wow, this is amazing. It's, you know, we should have done this 20 years ago. Yeah. Right. Or the author may go, actually, this is pretty bad. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Go okay. Ahead. So paragraph three, at some schools, swarms of parents wait in line to be escorted into the lunchrooms and sit with their children. Some as old as 10 for a meal. Oh man, I'm just picturing this going, Oh, I feel so bad for that kid. But again, that's my own personal bias. I need to leave it out. Um, yeah, so so yeah. painting this picture who, of what's happening. Who knows? Maybe the meal's really good, right? Maybe I know, like maybe. Chick-fil-A or In-N-Out or something, <laughs> you know, something really oh, good. Chick-fil-A sounds okay. good. Um, one school district in Darien, Connecticut, found its cafeterias so inundated with parents that this week it announced an outright ban on parent-student lunches. Okay? So now potentially we're seeing a negative. Um, It's, it's interesting. So one school is banning it just because it's inundated. So we don't know if the practice is bad, but we know that maybe too many parents were showing up and maybe there's just not enough room. It sounds negative because it says swarms of parents. I don't Mm -hmm. think you want swarms of anything, right? Yeah. Inundated is, is not great either. I mean, maybe you want to be inundated with good grades and stuff, but we, we know at this point, it's probably leaning towards a negative. We don't know for sure, but probably towards a negative. Yep. Go ahead. Quote, it feels like a punch in the gut. Jessica Shu, a parent whose oldest child is in first grade, told the Associated Press after learning of the decision. So we have one parent here saying uh, it, it feels like a punch in the gut, which is a negative thing. Um, so she, she obviously doesn't like the the decision. Yeah. So, I mean, now it's definitely showing us how parents want it. Maybe schools don't want it, Mm -hmm. right? Because schools are banning it to some degree. So again, we see this competing theme. Is it good or is it bad? Mm -hmm. Okay. I chose the town for the schools. Uh, So this is a, a quote from Jessica again. I'm so frustrated the schools don't want me there. So she's saying she chose the town because of the schools and now the schools don't want her there. And so again, that's bad from her perspective. Um, But we don't know if the practice itself is potentially bad. We don't know if that's what the article is trying to tell us, but right. um, Okay. Fourth paragraph, as the number of parents joining their kids for a midday meal swells, schools have tried to be accommodating. So again, just pointing pointing out that parents want to be there for kids uh, and some some schools at least are, are trying to accommodate it. Most schools value parent involvement, but at a certain point, it, it can become disruptive. All right, so our first uh, kind of negative aspect here that schools want involvement, but it may not be good. Good. A middle school teacher in Connecticut who asked to be anonymous since she was not authorized to speak on the record said that she doesn't think parent-student lunches are a bad thing, but she has seen them cause issues in the past. 
All right. So um, again, that these lunches can be an issue, at least based on this one teacher uh, teacher's perspective. Mm-hmm. The parents would bring pizza for some students and not others. Uh, all right. So potentially showing why they are an issue. It became a little bit of a circus, and I do remember feeling like it was disruptive instead of being just a sweet lunch between just the mom and the kid, she said. So again, just painting that picture of of why it's disruptive or not good. I think she was using lunch to try to buy her daughter friends, (laughs) the teacher said of one mom. (laughs) All right. So, I mean, just I'm just picturing the kid just worst case scenario, like, mom, like I can make my own friends. I don't need you here. Um, and this is what the, the teacher is basically saying. This is potentially what is happening. Right. Sounds good. So uh, what, what kind of picture are we painting here? Good or bad? Bad. Yeah. Disruptive, mm-hmm. right? Showing the, the, the parent as a manipulative person, mm-hmm. right? In some ways. Okay. Sounds good. So we just know that they're disruptive. That's really the key here. Yep. And, and, you know, definitely keeping in mind the whole like bribery of like, oh yeah, I'll give you something if you're friends with my kid. Yeah. Not necessarily directly, but implied. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. I can see that same parent like, like, hey, like in high school, we're the cool parents. We have alcohol at our house. Come party at our <laughs> house. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh man. Anyway. All right. Fifth paragraph. Some kids, especially the young ones, begin, begin crying when their mom or dad attempts to leave after lunch. All right, so again, more uh, disruption that that uh, happens because parents are there. Other children whose parents aren't able to visit them, possibly because they're working, can be left feeling neglected. So you got kids who are are upset when parents are leaving. You have kids who are upset because parents aren't coming. Um, so there's a whole social system here. What's going on? School districts have attempted to thwart these problems by forcing parents to sit with just their own children, sometimes in separate rooms or areas. Okay, so uh, some potential alternatives that schools are, are working on to prevent issues. Rogers Middle School in Texas even offers parents and children the opportunity to dine at a, quote, bistro with fancy-looking chairs to avoid lunchroom disruption. So we have an example of, of one school kind of going above and beyond to, to fix this disruptive uh, behavior. Um, all right, so just painting the, the picture of, of what happens when parents come and leave, if parents don't come, and what schools are doing to, to avoid that, all of that disruption. Yeah, so does the author think it's a good thing or a bad thing to have parents come in for lunch? Um. My assumption is, it's interesting. I don't know. My assumption is the the author thinks that it's bad, but I want to say that the author's not really saying one way or another. The author's just saying what's going on. I I think the author's saying it's disruptive, but you're right. It's neutral in in their tone. Their their tone isn't like, oh, this is super bad or, oh, this is awesome. Mm -hmm. They're neutral when they say it. That's an important lesson. Tone is not necessarily what we're saying, it's how we say it. Yep. So it's not like if I said, let's say I said like ice cream is good. That's not positive. Mm-hmm. That's just that's just me saying ice cream is good. Yeah, you know, it's it's a it's a good food, right? <laughs> uh, but if I if I want to bring in a positive angle, I'm gonna elevate that 
tone. I'm going to elevate the tone to, by, by saying ice cream is amazing, right? Yeah. The difference between amazing and good is simply the tone, Yeah. right? So it, there's nothing, I mean, they're both saying it's good. Just one is saying it in a very extreme manner. So tone is really extreme language. And mm-hmm. you're right, there is no extreme language here. So the author is just saying that it's disruptive. It's not good, but it's not negative in tone, right? The author's just not for this. Mm-hmm. All right. So, yeah. So this is this is an interesting one because it it the the tone I think is what you're talking about is throwing me off a little bit because I I want to read more into it, but I'm like, well, the author is just kind of saying the stuff is going on, and they're not really trying to lead me one way or another. They're just telling me, but then they're not really giving me any counterpoints to some positives of of what a parent being there at lunch does and so i'd have to assume that yeah definitely uh the author doesn't like it yeah so not necessarily for parents but also not necessarily like very extreme yeah all right there you have it another mcat's cars podcast in the books if you are loving these episodes and if you love how jack teaches how he's teaching me how to break down these sentences and try to understand the author's thoughts, then you need to go to jackweston.com and sign up for his free cars passage of the day, right? A free cars passage every day, right to your inbox. You click the link, takes you to the passage and you can read the passage and answer some questions right there for free every day. Again, that's jackweston.com. Sign up for the free MCAT cars passages of the day. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on the MCAT Cars Podcast. 